0: Most of us know the Lord's Prayer, and it has so much to teach us about how to pray. Well, there's another beautiful model of prayer at the beginning of Psalm 5, as King David pours his heart out to God. Here's Pastor David with much more.
1: David, a man after God's own heart, the King of Israel, as he writes the Psalms, has a way that he prays. And things that he prays for. And we're going to look into Psalm 5 and what David has to say in his own prayer life to help us to understand the model of a prayer life for a Christ follower. So he's going through a lot in his life. David is. Uh, For those of you who have read, if you did maybe the Bible reading that we've had, we've gone through quite a bit of the life of David and some of the things he faced. He faced betrayal from Saul. He faced betrayal from his own son, Absalom. He faced difficulties. He ran for his life. His physical life was in danger. People were against him. All kinds of things happened. And even in the midst of that, we see David as a prayer, one who prays, one who makes his petitions known to God. All of these people around him setting themselves against the Lord and against David, who God had anointed as king over Israel. We see David going to the Lord, going to the Lord. And so here we have David talking about prayer in his, in his prayer life. Let's start in Psalm 5, verses 1 through 3. And this is what those verses say. Give ear to my words, O Lord. Consider my meditation. Give heed to the voice of my cry, my King and my God. For to you I will pray, my voice you shall hear in the morning, O Lord. In the morning, I will direct it to you, and I will look up. First three verses, David laying it out. Here's what his prayer life looks like. And, and he starts with, give ear to my words, O Lord. Consider my meditation, right? Give heed to the voice of my cry. Words and meditation, these are different things. There's a reason why he didn't say words twice. Meditation is something different than words. In this case, there's the words, there's the things that we can express with, with our mouth, I need this, you are this, things that we understand, things that, that we're, we're used to expressing and talking in our normal way. But then there are these meditations, the deep things of our heart, the deep cry of our soul. And so David's saying, there's both of these that are going on here in this prayer. There's the words that I'm saying, and I'm asking you to listen, give ear, turn your ear toward me. There are some of you may have uh, people in your life who talk too much. My wife says she has someone in her life who talks too much. She won't tell me who it is, but she says she does. Um, it's me. But there are people who do. And, and sometimes the way that you sort of show somebody that you've, you're done listening is you turn your ear away. You turn your head the other way. You're not listening. And, and David's saying, give ear to my word. Please turn your ear toward me. Hear me as I speak words. But he's also asking God to consider His meditation, his meditation, the things that he can express only with his heart, only with his soul, only in that deep place. You may have some experience with this. If you have uh, kids, close friends, a husband, a wife, those those kinds of folks, there are the words that they say, dad, I need this. Mom, I need this. Husband, I need this. Wife, I need this, right? But then there are the cries, the meditation, the cries of their heart. My experience personally is that when my children come to me with words, I listen to the words usually. I listen to the words and and I may respond to it. But when my children come to me with cries, it's a different thing. My reaction to it is different. My attentiveness is different. How seriously I take it is different because they're expressing to me in vulnerability something much deeper. When you see the emotion come in, when, when the tears come through, something different is happening. If my wife comes to me and, hey, David, I need such and such, there's, there's a way in which, I, uh, w- in which I listen, in which I address that. But if my wife comes to me in tears, if my wife comes to me crying, in emotion from her heart, it just hits me in a different way. And why would we think that God is in the same way? And so David here is talking about both. My brother Daniel has a daughter named Emily. She doesn't have many words. She has a physical condition that keeps her from being able to communicate very well with words. But she can communicate. And it's not uncommon for her because words are so difficult that she has to find another way to communicate. And that may be through cries, through groans, through, I need this thing. And Daniel, my, my brother, and his wife, Anna, they are attentive. They're attentive to her, what, what she needs. Everyone in that home, and Daniel, Anna, and Seth, they're, they're going to Emily, and Emily can't use words, and so she's crying. She's crying out, I need this. She's expressing with everything she has, and they're paying attention. God is the same. Not everything you have to say to him can you put in words, And he understands that. And David's saying that here, my words and my cries, my words and my meditation, both. In fact, the Holy Spirit intercedes for us because this is true. Listen to this, Romans 8, 26 to 27. Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses, for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit Himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now, He who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because He makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. So, even us, when we're praying, we know this from the scriptures that involved in that process, there's words, there's our own expression, but happening alongside that, the Holy Spirit is actually interceding for us with something beyond words. Something beyond words. Think about Jesus in the garden praying with such fervency that he's sweating blood. It's something beyond words. There's a level of heart and soul that is poured out in meditation that we want God to consider because only he can understand. Only he can understand. Our our prayer should be moving us to vulnerability with God, to closeness with God. Father, Father. Only begotten Son and Holy Spirit. We want to be close. We want to be vulnerable. We want to let out our meditations that he might consider those. Listen to my prayer, please, God. I need you. And the cry of our heart expressing the deep inner parts of what we need from God. Charles Spurgeon said, prayer without fervency is like hunting with a dead dog goes on to say, prayer without preparation is like hawking with a blind falcon. I don't know that second part. I've never been hawking. I've never been hunting with a dog. But I'm guessing that if you're going out hunting with a dog, you want it to be alive. The idea is that if it's not fervent, you're just not doing it right. You're just not doing, you're not gonna find what you want if there's no fervency in your prayer. If your prayers are all just kind of off the cuff, Lord, do blah, 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 blah," and I'm thinking about other things and I'm whatever, I'm just kind of throwing something to him. I'm not saying don't do that. If that's all you're doing, at least do that. But if there's no fervency in it, you're not gonna find what you're looking for. When you're hunting, that dog is helping root out what you want. As you pray with fervency, you're helping to find the thing that you truly need from God. He's understanding it, you're understanding it you got to pray with that kind of fervency. And some of you might say, I just, don't, I just don't know God that well. I just don't feel that comfortable praying. I don't feel like I know him well enough. No, well, here's the good news for you. He knows you that well. He made you. He knit you together in your mother's womb. You are his creation. There is nothing in you that he doesn't know. There is nothing hidden from him, so there's no point in hiding it when you're with him. You don't know him that well? Well, he knows you, so you might as well let it out. Words and meditation, deep, meaningful prayers. And the more that you're going through, the more deep, the more meaningful your prayers need to be. As David is in this point of his life, praying with seriousness with fervency, with a desire for God to hear and to consider what he's saying. You want to get to know him, pray. Read the Bible, right? Talk about the word with other people. Seek out those who love Jesus and follow him and can help you grow regularly along this journey in your life. And you will start to feel closer to God. Do all of those things. If you don't feel like you know Him well, do the things that you would do if you wanted to get to know Him well. And what you'll find is you'll start to know Him well. And then those prayers of fervency can start to come. Not just words, but meditation. The deep things of your heart. Pouring those out to God. It says, give heed to the voice of my cry, my King and my God For to you, I will pray. This is important. David recognized who God is, and he recognized who David is. Each one of us needs to recognize who God is and who we are, and the relation that we stand. Creator, creature. Father, child. Savior, saved. Friend, friend. All of those things are part of who we are in God and so many more. But understanding that is very important. And David's saying, look, I pray to you, um, only to you, and not to anybody else, ever, for anything. That's really important for us, for us to realize that God is king. Jesus is Lord. The only God, the only king, there are no others. This is important. Get this deep into your heart, in that place of fervency. There are others no others. No others. People in that time, they had idols, they'd make them out of wood, stone, gold, whatever, and they'd put them up and they'd pray to those. And they'd pray to this one and that one and the pole and the thing over here. And then they might also go to the temple and pray to God. But to them, it was, there were too many when there's only one. They put their trust in too many places. For us, uh, ourselves, I think, That we have functional idols, functional saviors, things that we look to to bring us the things that only God can, should, will bring. If you're looking to feel satisfied, if you're looking for peace, if you're looking for true, unadulterated love, it's God. You don't find those things anywhere else. It doesn't stop us from looking for them in other places. Just like there were Israelites who went around and they go to the temple, but maybe when they got home, it was this little statue or that little statue. And God despised that because it was wrong. So look at the beginning of of the Ten Commandments. He despised that. In the same way, we can come to church on Sunday, but during the rest of the week, we're kind of putting our faith here, and we're kind of putting our faith there, and we're putting our faith over here. And it shows in our lives. It shows in our lives. David is saying, no, to you only will I pray. Only God, it's always God. We can ask other people to do things for us. We sure we can. We can demand that other people do things for us. You know, we we can do all of that. But our faith isn't in them. Our faith isn't in them because they have neither the power to take care of us nor the trustworthiness to earn our faith. That's a fact, whether it's people, whether it's things, whether it's your money, whether it's your bank account, none of those things actually have the power to take care of you, nor are they trustworthy enough for your faith. So don't pray to them. Don't pour out your heart to your bank account or even to your husband or your wife in the same way that you do to God. You're not looking from those things and those people for the things that you're looking for from God. It's only God. It's always God. If an unbeliever sees your life, you have to think about this. If you're a Christ follower, you have to think about what it looks like to the unbeliever. What does my life look like? If they look at your life and what they can see is that, okay, you talk about God, but I constantly see you faltering, worried sad, broken over all of these things. You're saying you trust God. You're saying you believe in him. You've got the Bible. You go to church. But what I see is fear. And what I see is you putting your trust in all these other things and talking about all these other things and the things that you're on Facebook talking about and you're saying, oh, I can't believe this or I can't believe that or I'm worried about this or I'm worried about that. And they say to themselves, yeah, that's how I am. Why would I ever look to God when it's clearly not helping you? Because you have put your faith somewhere other than him. You are praying effectively to something other than him. You are pleading with something or someone other than him for the things which only he can give you. And that is a testimony to the world just as strong as the other side. Which is, I'm not in anxiety, I'm not in worry, I'm not in fear. Because I trust God, because I pour it out to him and I believe that he's going to do it. Now, if they can see that in your life, peace, boy, that sends a different message. Now they start saying, maybe I do want this Jesus. Maybe I do want to see what this Jesus is all about because where I'm looking at all these other things, which do not help me, this person's looking to Jesus and I can see the peace in their life. I can see the growth in their life. We have to think about what it looks like. Why would they trust in Christ if we don't show that we do? My faith is in God. May it always be in God. Because to me, it is a keen awareness that A, I have learned I can do nothing without him. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I also know that apart from him, I can do nothing. I've learned it the hard way, the long way, the hard way, the difficult way. But now I know it. I know that I can do nothing without Christ. And so I also know that when I'm in him and when I trust him, the peace that I have, the joy that I have is beyond understanding. And I also know the effect that that has on people when I want to serve them and when I want to love them, when they can see me not moved. Well, I want that for every one of us. I want us to be thinking about that. And of course, that starts with prayer. Nothing else. No one else will save us, will provide for us, will protect us, but God. God gets prayer to him. Everyone else gets prayer for them. It's a very big difference between the two. If you don't want constant disappointment in your life, If you don't want to constantly be kind of on this up and down thing where you feel okay and then you feel like the whole world's falling apart, then you feel okay, then you feel like the whole world's falling apart, the thing that makes that line straight across or even going up is a prayer life, is a trust life. If you don't want to be disappointed, stop looking for your boss at work to become a better woman or a better man, good woman, good man. Stop looking for your husband or your wife to become a better person or a good person or whatever, that that's the thing that's going to give you, it's going to make things okay for you. Stop looking that anyone or anything would become better or good. Look only to this. Pray to the Lord and you yourself will become better and good as he completes the work which he's begun in you, as you pour into him. Do not place your trust or your life or your joy in the hands of anyone but God. We do it all the time. If only, fill in the blank, if only my husband would bloop, 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 I then could have joy. I then could be happy. My life would then be easy. If only my boss would treat me this way or give me this or that. If only my portfolio would rise up the stock market would go through, then I would have security, then I would have safety, then everything would be okay, and I could feel okay all the time. It's not going to happen. The only thing that is going to work is praying, praying, words, and fervent meditations, cries to God, and trusting that he will fulfill. That's it. I know it sounds relatively simple, and I know that most of us academically, intellectually believe that that's true, But the truth is is that all of us have to put that discipline into practice if we want it to actually be true for us. Spend less time worrying about all of those things and more time praying and growing closer to God and growing in trust for him. You ever been on a vacation or maybe it's just a Saturday morning or a Sunday morning, you wake up and for some reason, man, you're just rested. And you wake up, and you just feel the sense of peace, kind of joy. The birds are singing. You know, you feel great. You, you walk out, maybe you make that coffee and whatever. For whatever reason, you can't really understand it necessarily, but it's just one of those mornings that just feels amazing. It just feels peaceful. That is what it feels like to trust God all the time. Not just on the vacation morning, but when you're going through the worst of times, you can still hold on to that kind of a feeling of peacefulness. No matter what's coming at you, no matter what obligations you have, no matter what's going on, you can have that peacefulness. You know how everything just kind of moves slower on those days, on those mornings? Everything's just kind of going. It's all coming up, you know, you that day. It's just working out. So you just kind of walk through your day. It can be like that for you no matter what is outside. If your fervent prayers to God are constant and you trust that, he'll, that he will take care of them, then whatever is going on is not going to become a worry and a fear for you, but a thing taken care of, a thing promised, a thing that's going to be done. And you'll wake up each morning more and more feeling like that.
0: Sounds almost too good to be true, doesn't it? But it is true. Prayer changes everything, and I hope you'll check out Part 2 for much more. Until then, if you'd like more of this kind of Bible teaching, come see us at Acts Church this Sunday morning. We're real easy to find in Vancouver, Washington, and easy directions and all the info you need are just a click away at axchurchnw.org. Always great to have you with us. And again, I hope you'll be here next time for more important teaching about prayer here on Contemplate.